0: So many, many, many years ago when we lived in Oregon and our kids were younger, I, I took our seven-year-old, four-year-old, and, and six-month-old to McDonald's. And, uh, and our oldest had two stuffed sheep that he's had with him all the time. And so when we pulled into McDonald's, he said to me, do you know what would be a really good joke? Is if you ordered grass for my sheep. Great. So while I'm ordering, Noah is there telling me, ask for the grass. (laughs) (laughs) Ask for grass. But our youngest, Ezra, was really fussy in my arms, and Sophia was running around. So ordering grass and confusing the server and then having to explain this stuff to the server all about sheep, and it all just seemed like way too much. So I didn't order the grass to Noah's disappointment. But then when the food arrived, I, I picked up the tray full of food with one hand while, while holding a f- fussy infant in the other arm, only to realize that the server is standing there with two bowls of ice cream, ice cream cones uh, with this look on his face like, I don't think I should put extra food onto that already full tray while you're trying to do all of those things. And so I saw this look of insecurity, so I said, don't worry, I've got this. And so he put the ice cream on my tray. Well, I didn't have this. So the ice cream ended up on the floor. And I looked over at Noah, concerned, obviously, that, that they would be upset that their ice cream was now on the floor. And he had this sort of knowing smile on his face. And he gave me this little thumbs up. And he whispered to me, Dad. That was a way better joke than my joke about the grass. (laughs) As if I had done that on purpose, right? What a good dad, dropping ice cream on the floor to make make my kids laugh. But but the point of this is that Noah was a, a good shepherd. In fact, a much better shepherd than I was because he was trying to feed his sheep healthy grass while I was taking my kids to McDonald's and dropping ice cream all over the floor. So... In the Bible, we have real shepherds, both men and women, who feed, guide, and protect their literal sheep. But then we also have the metaphor of shepherds, which is often linked to people who are in positions of power, like kings, like religious leaders, who are supposed to reflect God's care by guiding, protecting, and feeding the people. But obviously, things don't always go according to plan. So what happens when we drop the ice cream on the floor? What happens when we eat all the fries and then our hungry kids look at us and say, what happened to all the fries? What happens when kings and religious leaders put their own comfort and their own sense of control ahead of the health of the people and the health of society? Well. We've already heard in Ezekiel that God's response is I'll feed my people. I'll heal my people. I'll gather my people back together. I'll remind them what a good shepherd looks like. And so it's with this in mind, it's with this prophet Ezekiel in mind, that Jesus then says in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And then in verse 16, he says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, we read this. uh, We sing songs about God as a good shepherd, but in our hyper-individualistic culture, we often look at this from a Jesus is my good shepherd perspective, which is fine. Like, that's great that we have a sense that God is personal, except God is my shepherd doesn't automatically give us the sense that God cares for everyone. We just know that God cares for me, right? So the whole me and Jesus thing says God cares about me, God is on my side, but I'm not sure about you guys. I'm not sure about those people, unless those people become like us. But Jesus makes it clear that his care is for those who clearly identify as his people and other sheep or other people who also belong. Of course, this makes sense if we understand that Jesus is echoing the prophet Ezekiel, whose primary concern is how people in power order society, for the health and benefit of everyone, not just for themselves. That's Ezekiel's concern. But how are we supposed to know this? I mean, has anyone been reading Ezekiel recently, anyone? Uh, Me either. I was reading a book about this. That's why I know about it. And even if we do end up reading Ezekiel, it's long and and boring and sometimes hard to follow. So the shepherds are those in positions of power and privilege who are supposed to reflect God's love for everyone. But as time goes on, like hundreds, thousands of years, we forget about somebody named Ezekiel and we forget about what Jesus was saying about shepherds, we forget what a good shepherd looks like. So we end up turning to those who are all around us. We end up looking at our culture to try to understand, well, what does it mean to be a good shepherd? I mean, how many of you have even even seen sheep recently? So we look and we say, there are some successful people who, who lead with co- coercive force. That seems to be really effective. I guess God must also be like that. Or look, powerful people have servants who exist to serve their needs and follow their commands without question. I guess maybe that's why God created us, to serve without reflection or without question. Look, the wealthy have big homes and all of that stuff, so I guess God also needs big buildings too, right? We look at our culture to try to understand because this is what we know. So instead of reflecting God's love, we end up creating God in our own image. And instead of seeing God on the move, at work in society as a whole, in our day-to-day lives, we put God in a building, right? Like it makes sense. But this isn't something that we created recently, this isn't a new phenomenon of putting God in a building, the history of Christianity in the West began with Constantine the Great, who was great because he conquered and ruled like most of the known world as a part of the Roman Empire. So Constantine, what Constantine did, which a lot of kings and and rulers do, is that he liked to demonstrate the power and might of his gods by doing two things, by building temples and killing his enemies. That's how god's, his gods were shown as powerful. But then Constantine became a Christian. He had this sort of coming to Jesus moment and we think his life has to be radically changed from this point out. Well, Well, this is the change that happened in Constantine's life. He tried to reflect the power and might of Jesus by building large churches And killing his enemies, right? Like, uh, nothing changed really at all except the type of building that he was building. So Constantine isn't changed so much by Jesus, but Jesus is now made in the image of Constantine. And the church, again, is made in the image of a building. So that was like 1,700 years ago. But Constantine's Jesus and Constantine's Christianity is alive and well. It's the kind of faith that says, my religious freedom is more important than your basic human rights. It's a faith that is adversarial. It's a faith that is angry. It's a faith that is hungry for power at all costs. It's a faith that is overly individualistic. But, but Ezekiel and Jesus are, are warning us against this kind of faith. Your kings and leaders have been far away. They've been disconnected from your life, but God is not that kind of a king. God is a shepherd who walks alongside his people, who strengthens the weak, who heals the sick, who binds up the wounded and the brokenhearted. Your leaders, your leaders, they build mansions and economies on the backs of of cheap labor and unjust laws. But God is not that kind of a politician. God is not that kind of a CEO. God is a shepherd who takes the suffering of the world upon himself and gives particular attention to those who are most vulnerable in society, not those who are most powerful. So a few years ago, we took our kids to, um, to a farm to watch them bring all of the sheep in just before sunset. So I'm not really sure what I was expecting. I mean, I'm not sure what you would be expecting if you're going to see a shepherd moving sheep into the barn. But it was interesting because all it took to move hundreds, if not thousands, of sheep was a farmer or a shepherd on a four-wheeler, and on that four-wheeler there was a basket, and in that basket there was a dog, (laughs) A really small dog. And so this dog just sits in the basket as they go out into the field. And they they get toward the end of where the last sheep are. And the dog jumps out of the basket and runs out to the very last sheep. And then brings them all back to the barn through a narrow gate. All by herself. I mean, by herself with a (laughs) four-wheeler. right? So, like, I didn't expect a dog on a four-wheeler to bring sheep in. But, but regardless of the sort of the modern adaptation of what it means to be a shepherd, the image or the message is the same. The good shepherd doesn't sit at home waiting for the sheep to come to them. The good shepherd doesn't, doesn't sit there sort of assuming, well, like, whichever sheep make it back, it, those are the ones that obviously love me the most, <laughs> Right? The good shepherd goes wherever they go. The shepherd is with his sheep. The shepherd is, is, is with her sheep wherever they go. The shepherd guides and, and feeds and protects the sheep. And not just one sheep, not just some of the sheep, but all of the sheep. The flock, all of the sheep. And not just this flock, but other sheep that are part of other flocks as well. So faith as a, as a building, I mean, this is a beautiful building. Like there's nothing wrong with buildings. Like we exist in a physical world. We're physical human beings who need to gather together in places. There's nothing wrong with a building, but faith as a building, as our primary image of what faith means is easily disconnected from the realities of our world outside of these walls. Right, like this building can't go to the hospital to visit you when you're sick. Like this, this building can't be with you when somebody dies and you're grieving. And this building isn't gonna go with you to soccer practice or to school or to work. Like this building is gonna be here and that's, that's all it can be. So do you think that faith as a movement of God is any better? What might it mean for us knowing that God is on the move seeking not just our health, but the health of everyone? That God is on the move not just seeking our well-being, but the well-being of our city and of our country and of our world? Does that make a difference? Is that better than a, move, than a building that can't move? God is a shepherd who is with his people wherever they go. And so what might that mean for us? if we consider our faith not primarily as a place we go, but a movement of God seeking our well-being and the health of our world. I, I, I honestly don't really know what it looks like entirely, but perhaps that's why like God doesn't leave it up just to the individual, but God leaves it up to the wider community to gather together and to be a part of that movement here and wherever we might be. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that you would gather us together, that you would remind us of your deep love for us, but not just for us. We pray that you'd, you'd gather us up and, and make us a part of your movement in the world. And we pray that together, as a community, you'd give us a vision for what it looks like for us to feed and to guide and and to seek the well-being and the health of our city and our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.